I will do my very best not to preach directly to any Pittsburgh Steeler fans that I see that I see here this morning. I have, I have got to say something, you know. But, uh, man, you know what? The, the Moreland's are here. They have their little redskin cheerleader there, right? How old is she? Like two months old. Congratulations, guys. We got a Dallas Cowboy fan back there. We got Ravens. We got Ravens slash Brown fans here. I mean, it's fantastic, right? Awesome, awesome. You know, um, we got into uh, a, a sermon series called The Stand, and we're going to continue in that here this morning. Um, we, we, we looked at several different things already with regard to this, this uh, message or this sermon series that we've looked at, but we're going to pursue right a little bit deeper into it. And I, I told some people Wednesday night that we're really going to get into a message that I've heard people brush on before, but never really dive into. And so this morning, we're going to kind of dive into something. Maybe you've never really read that scripture before. You've never really put a lot of emphasis or study into it. But we're going to dive right in this morning. Um, I believe with everything inside of me that the message that I'm going to give you today is going to, I guess the best word to describe it would be give you hope. All right? I mean, I know that some of you have probably been praying for certain things for a really, 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 really long time. Let's just be honest. <clears throat> we all have those different things that, that we're really trusting and, and really wanting to see God move in. Some things that really weigh heavily on our hearts. Um, maybe, maybe you're praying over a, a, a child. Maybe you want to see, maybe you want a child. <laughs> um, I've got two that I can lend you. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not that bad of a dad, really. Um, maybe maybe you're, you've been praying over a financial breakthrough, financial situation in your life. Maybe you've been suffering or, or really uh, struggling with a particular habit. You know, um, I don't know. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's something psychological. Maybe you've been praying, God, you know what? I've been going through a, a time of depression. Um, and, and maybe it, that's something that's reoccurring for you. You know, you have those breaks, but yet they come back. And, and it's, it's really getting old, you know. It's, it's really weighing down. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you're praying for your marriage, you know. Um, you, you need God to do something in the marriage or it's not going to survive. Um, I, I don't know what you are seeking God after. But I believe that, you know, when we get to a place of prayer in our life, and when we're reaching out to God with these needs, that God takes these things very seriously. I really believe that. I know sometimes it can get hard and sometimes we can look and, and think, well, you know, maybe God's not paying attention to me. Maybe God's not listening to me. Maybe this isn't as important to God as what it is to me. Let me tell you something. I promise you, however important you think the need is that you've been praying to God over, or to the subject matter, or to the things that you're really believing God to move on, no matter how important it is to you, it's even more so important to God because it's important to you. So we're going to look in this morning to Daniel chapter 10. And I'm going to give you a little bit of context before we dive right into the scripture here. But um, last week we looked at Daniel and the lion's den, all right? 
And we understood that this guy was pretty old at that time. Well, everything that happens in the book of Daniel is happening chronologically here. There's an order to it. So we understand that if this is the next thing in line, Daniel must be even so much more older. But I, I want to put it more like this way. God, Daniel has experienced even more of God than he has in the past. as what he's about to moving forward. If you remember, we looked at week one, King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar, his goal was to bring oppression to God's people. His goal was to bring them into captivity. His goal was to destroy the temple and the artifacts within the temple that represented who God was to God's people. In other words, what King Nebuchadnezzar was trying to do in all of his power was to destroy anything and any remembrance of who God is or was. And so he was trying to pretty much erase God's DNA. Well, you, you know you can't erase God. You cannot erase God. You can do everything in your power to put God to the side. Or you can do everything in your power to place God, you know, cliche, on a shelf or behind you or whatever you want, but you can never erase God. God will always be in your life. He will always be in this world. Now, so we saw him, and in fact, Nebuchadnezzar went a step forward. He was trying to take all of the young men and their wisdom and try to retrain them. We saw that through the scripture. Retrain them, why? So that then they could be trained in his ways, his teachings, his knowledge. Why? Again, to try to erase God out of it. Now, all of us in this room, at one time or another, I would like to say that we have had uh, one of those aha moments when it comes to God. I think we've had one of those moments where um, we knew that God was speaking to us, maybe through a vision, maybe through scripture, whatever it may be. I think all of us at one time or another in this room has had a moment like that in our lives. Well, we're going to get into the story this morning with Daniel. And he received a vision of, from God that was very disturbing to him. In fact, all he could do was ask and seek God in prayer. This is what Daniel had saw. After everything that he has been through, and he has seen the faithfulness of God, and he has seen where he has stood strong and and, and he has stood his ground. All along, he has been praying for God to deliver his people or God's people out of their captivity. But he received a vision. This is what he saw. He saw more war. He saw more hardship. And I think for any of us in a moment, if we had been praying about something specific, we listed a couple things there to start the message off, you know, Family, children, marriage, finance, throw jobs in there, throw relationships, uh, spiritual growth, what have you. If you've been praying for a period of time over something and you receive a vision or let's just take it into our, more of our terms, an inkling or a feeling or a suggestion that what you're praying about is not going to get fixed but rather become what? Worse, our attitude is pretty much going to be pretty lame. Our attitude is going to be very poor. We're not going to have an attitude that, that is going to be like, you know, hey God, 
you know, I know you're going to do it. you got to do it. We're going to have the attitude of, oh, poor me in that moment. We're going to have disappointment, you know. Um, so Daniel took on a different attitude. He took on what is considered a 21-day fast. We're going to get into the scripture in just a moment. Now, if you guys remember, last, this past uh, winter, we did a 21-day fast, right? It was a great, great season. Um, Daniel takes on a 21-day fast, and during this 21-day fast, he changes his heating habits. Um, the scripture even says he goes as far as, you know, pretty much the man didn't even bathe during that time, all right? So he stunk. Let me put you, rest you ashore. When we do a 21-day fast, I encourage bathing, all right? Because we will be doing the 21-day fast again at the new year, just so you know. But we're going to get right into the scripture in Daniel chapter 10, verses 5 through 8. <clears throat> it's in your bulletin. You can go to version. You can check it out up here. Or you can go, I heard pages. You don't, you don't hear pages too much anymore. You know what I mean? That's awesome. Daniel chapter 10, verses 5 through 8 says, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. And his face flashed like lightning. And his eyes flamed like torches. Now I want to stop there just for a quick moment because that's very similar. A strong similarity if you look in Revelation chapter 19, the full description of Jesus Christ. Verse 6 goes on to say, His arms and his feet shone like polished bronze. And his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Now I'm going to stop there for a second. Have you guys ever talked to somebody that just had that really deep, strong, like powerful voice? Remember uh, Reverend Crowley? He had that. He would stand up here. You know, we had that. Uh, we had the, the, the old pulpit and you would just see like like his eyes over top of it. But when the man spoke, it was like thunder. You know what I mean? So we see this here. And then verse seven, only I, Daniel saying this, only I saw this vision. Then when the men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and they ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. Now, what is really interesting in this moment is that Daniel was with all these other people, but only Daniel saw this vision. Only Daniel would be able to understand what God was trying to say here and trying to communicate. Let's, let, me, let me try to help you to understand that. Have you guys ever been into the Word of God, which I hope that's a yes, okay? But you've been into the Word of God and you've read through a scripture. Maybe you've read this scripture 10, 20, maybe 100 times, and you've just read right by it. But maybe in the moment you're going through a very difficult season. Maybe you're going through something very specific, something that has been weighing very heavily on you. And I love it how you can read a scripture so many times and there not be a whole lot of meaning behind it personally to you. Don't get me wrong, there's always meaning behind the scripture, but you understand what I'm getting at. Because we've all done it. You've read scripture and you just read right on by it like it was nothing, right? Please tell me I'm not the only one. And I am the pastor. Okay. All right. So you've, you've read it through it so many times, but now you're reading it and something different kind of jumps out at you, right? And you're like, wow, you have an epiphany there. You're like, wow, 
This, is, this really ministered to me in this moment. And you know what gets me is this. You'll take it and you'll share it to somebody. And they're like, look what God said in this word. And they're like, yeah. Are you following me? They're like, yeah, okay, that's great. Sometimes I feel that way when I'm preaching it to you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. They're like, yeah, all right. It, it's, it's, it, and it's, it, look, you guys do it to me all the time. You'll come up to me, pastor. I was reading this scripture and this devotion on this day. And look at that. And I'm like, that's fantastic. I'm glad it's speaking to you right now, but it's saying nothing to me. You know what I mean? That type of deal. So this is one of those moments, right? This is one of those moments that I think Daniel's having. All right. How about this? Have you ever been in a worship service like we had this morning? I thought the worship was fantastic, by the way. I thought it was very uplifting. It was a great time. So, you know, my hat's off to all the musicians, singers, Brad, everybody. Fantastic job. But have you ever been in a worship service before and maybe you've gone through the worship service and you're like, I absolutely received nothing from it. I walked in here and I walked out and it just didn't click for me. But then you see somebody in the community throughout the week and they're like, man, that song was fantastic. Did that not just speak? It spoke wonders to my heart. And you're just singing, no, not really. Right? Okay. This is one of those moments that Daniel's going through here. I believe that God was specifically speaking to him because there was a specific need. He was so burdened in this moment. I believe that God speaks to us specifically. I believe God speaks to us intricately. I believe that God has a reserved word for you and your life during different seasons of your life. And we're seeing that right here with Daniel. All right. So we understand that this is what what is happening. And let's jump into verse eight. It says, my strength left me. My face grew deathly pale and I felt very weak. Now watch what happened. Then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the sound of his voice, remember, the sound of his voice was what? Thunderous. It was powerful. It was mighty. When I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. That's, that's a powerful moment. I heard the voice. What is that all about? The strongest men cannot stand in the presence of God. In the presence of God, the strongest of men will be reverent to the presence of God. You cannot get away from the presence of God and not feeling the moment of weakness. You cannot be in the presence of God and not help feeling the moment of awe and pure pure compassion and love that he's showing you. It's impossible to stand there. And not have any type of emotion come over. Now you guys know, I'm big about the word of God. I'm very specific about, I get my strength from the word, not from emotion. However, in this moment, it's a very emotional moment for Daniel. Because he has been so burdened. In this, Think about this for a moment. Have you ever been through a season like he's going through? So burdened. So distraught over something specific that when God speaks, you can't help but almost weep in that moment. You can't help but just stand there in complete awe of what he's doing. You know, I believe that what we need to do about this story is to put it into life application. I don't want to just talk about what's happening here in the words or in the scriptures of the Bible 
But I want to understand how can I apply this moment that Daniel's going through. And we're going to get in deep here into a couple things. How can I apply it to make my life better spiritually? In other words, it's like God challenge us today. Challenge us in these next few moments on these three points that we're going to take a look at. And how we can apply your word to our lives to make us better with you. Number one is this. You always need to remember that God cares about you more than you do. God cares about you more than you, you think that's impossible. You think that is, there's no way possible that God could, there's no way possible that anybody could ever care about me more than me. Think about it. How many times do we go through self-pity? Oh, me. Oh, my. Oh, I can't believe, you know, this has happened to me. Right? Understand this. God cares about you more than you care about yourself. Verse 10 says this. Daniel says, just then a hand touched me and did what? Lifted me. Lifted me. The hand of God is never extended to condemn us. But the hand of God is always extended rather to lift us. God is never extending his hand to condemn you in your life. He's always extending his hand to help pull you up and to lift you out of whatever you, you fiery mess, whatever problem you've put yourself in, whatever situation maybe others have caused you to fall into. God is never there to condemn you. God is always there to lift you up. He's not a God that's sitting there looking for your every fault so that he can cast judgment and condemnation upon you. God is a God who is full of love and is full of compassion. You are number one in his eyes. There is no substitute for you. You know, I look at my kids and I say this all the time. I never truly understood, truly in my opinion, the way God looks at me until I had my own children. I remember, I'll tell you a story. I think I might have said this one. It's not a proud story. Let me tell you this. But I remember, you know, I think Carter was three years old. And uh, I was sitting, uh, I think I was sitting at my computer one morning. And, uh, uh, you know, we had talked about maybe having another child and this, that, and another. And, you know, I was just like, you know, hey, you know I'm good. We're good. We're good. Carter's a handful. We're good, you know. And I remember sitting there, and my wife comes out, and she's like, uh, I got something to tell you. Yeah. I see, oh. I was like, okay, what? Not thinking anything. Uh, we're going to have another kid. We're going to have another child. I'm pregnant. You think I would have jumped up like, woo! I was like, are you serious? <laughs> That's awful, isn't it? That is awful. But you know what? God doesn't look at you and go, are you serious? I got him to deal with or her to deal with. And, and I remember, and, and uh, I think my mother-in-law could see the distraught on me because I was like, I don't understand this. I don't understand how I'm going to love this other child more than I love this one now. And everyone, everyone constantly, I think everybody in this church must have saw it on me at some point because they would go, 
you don't understand. It, you got enough love to give them all. You know, in that moment, I'm like, shut up. You know, no. Carter's going to get robbed of love now. Kyle's going to get robbed now. You know, all these things are going through my mind. And I remember when he came in and into the, Caden came into the earth, <laughs> into the world. And the love that I had for him was the same love that I have for the others. It just didn't change. And you look at that and you put it into perspective, and that's how God sees us. You are number one in God's eyes. It's crazy. Carter can be going through something, and I, my attention can be on him. But yet, out of the peripheral vision, I'm watching the other one too, and the other one over here, and, and, and all this stuff. God's love is equally distributed to all of us. But look at this. You are number one in him. Every day, his focus is upon your life. So what does that mean to me? That means God loves me more than I even love myself. But he goes on to say, still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me this, Daniel, you are very precious to God. Precious meaning you are very valuable. Valuable. God sees you as value. God doesn't see you as what your reputation of others may see you as. God doesn't see you uh, as a result of your last sin. God doesn't see you of how maybe the person that you had an argument with recently sees you. God sees you as value. You are, so va you are more valuable than diamonds and gold and money and anything else combined in his eyes. There is value in your life. You are important. God has designed you with a specific purpose. You can sit there and say, yeah, well, my purpose must be always just to mess up. No. No. I believe many times we go through a lot of mess ups so that God can teach us and to form us and to mold us so that we are able to be used as an instrument of him more powerfully and more strongly. I look at my past and I see a lot of mess ups. I see things I've said. I see things I've done. I see relationships I've allowed myself to be into. But as I look back, I see on every one of those was an opportunity for God to do the miraculous and to set me up for where I'm, in, where I'm at today. And then the problems, <clears throat> excuse me, and then the problems and the situations that I'm going to go through today and tomorrow are to set me up for maybe 10 years from now. See, everything we go through Maybe it wasn't designed for God in a purpose, but God uses it as a purpose to make you better than who you are now so that he can use you more effectively later. You know, I look at my kids and they're what's precious to me. My wife, she's precious to me. I can't help but say this. Usually a Friday or a Saturday, I have uh, dad duty, which I got dad duty all the time. Don't get me wrong. I have dad's solo, solo duty, though. You know what I mean? I mean, it's me and the boys. And especially during this summer on Fridays, if I had them. And I'm always, you know, I wake up, get them to breakfast, get them set up. It's lunchtime. I'm always like, man, what are we going to do for lunch? My answer, McDonald's Happy Meals. <laughs> Boom. Right? I've learned a valuable lesson from my kids. Because after studying this message, and, and this is a dumb example. I know it. You're going to walk away from it. Why? He didn't have to say this one. But I'm going to tell you anyway. They like the Happy Meal because they get a toy. 
All right? So the first thing they do, we never eat at McDonald's. I don't put myself through that. No. We go through the drive-thru. Then we go home. In my environment, where I can do what I need to do to make sure they're in line, okay? And so we eat at the table, and they break open their Happy Meal, and they're pulling out the fries. They're pulling out the burger or the nugget and, 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 or the yogurts or whatever they're doing. And they get to the toy, and they're like, Dad, open it because, you know, it's tough. I know why they make it so tough, so the kids can't get in it, right? Neither can parents, too, sometimes. But so we open it up, and the boys take the toy out, and it's always something stupid and cheap, right? And so they look at it. They play for it for 30 seconds. In the moment, though, it's extremely valuable to them. But after they got whatever they needed out of that toy in that moment, guess what happens? It lays around the house somewhere. It's in their room somewhere. They never pick it up again. And we, now we have nothing but a house full of McDonald's toys clutter, all right, that I go through and I throw everything away. Does anybody in here throw everything away? I am one of them people. I will throw every, if we haven't used it in the last 30 days, it's gone. My wife, no. God doesn't look at you and go, you know what? I've used you for what I need to use you for, and now I'm done with you. Sometimes we think that. Sometimes we'll think to ourselves, well, maybe the season's over that God can't use me no more. Maybe, maybe the season's done. Maybe God used me for that particular thing, and God's not going to use me no more. You need to understand, just as the word was said to Daniel in his very latter years, the vision that was brought to him said, you are precious to me. In other words, communicating to you and I, regardless of the season that you may be in in life, you are precious to God. You hold extreme value in the eyes of God. So he says in verse 11, you are precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up Trembling. So this brings us to our second point that we're going to look at. God is doing more than you understand. God is always working in the background. He's always working in the foreground. He's always working when you think he's not working. He's always moving when you thought and you've lost all hope. God is, always, God is more involved in your life than you are. Verse 12 says this. And this is, it's getting really, really interesting here. Then Christ said, or that angelic being said to me, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray, understand that, since the first moment, since the first time you prayed for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven. That should give you a little hope right now. Because whatever it is you're going through, the first time you prayed the prayer, it didn't fall on deaf, ear, deaf ears. God did not ignore your prayer. The first time you prayed it, the first time you sought after God, the first time you petitioned it, God heard your prayer. He says, moving forward, I have come in answer to your prayer. Now, verse 13 this gets a little bit more crazy, okay? It's really interesting here. But for 21 days, the spirit, excuse me, for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, I love that part. 
reinforcements coming in, came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the king of Persia. That, that, that's that's kind of weird, if you ask me here. All right, now, now we're getting, a, this is getting kind of interesting here. Because here you've got the angelic being saying, you know what? I heard your prayer from the first day. And I became involved, but something came in the way of that. Now, what you need to understand here, a little background information, is we understand that we deal with powers and principalities that are of the heavenly realms. In other words, what you're dealing with in life is not always of the physical and the natural and what we can see. But there is a spiritual battle going on for your soul every single moment of your life. God is constantly at work for you. That's how much he loves you. That's how important you are in his eyes. You know, it is said that um, we understand that in the, the, early, the early, early days that when the fall came out of heaven, that the angels were cast down to the earth. Those are believed to be the fallen angels or those principalities that are working against us. I believe every day, every waking moment and every sleeping moment, there's a battle for your soul. There's a battle going on to distract you. There's a battle going on that's trying to defeat you. There's a battle going on that's trying to break up anything that God has done good in your life. There's a battle going on that's trying to disrupt the future that God has for you. There's a battle going on that's trying to disrupt the answered prayer that God is trying to bring your way. Understand something. There's a battle constantly going on. And you are not in this by yourself as you may think. But God is on your side. He's heavily involved in this battle. And he is going to see to it that you will be victorious. So understand that the first time that you prayed, God heard your cry. You know, I have said this before, that we are, and the scripture says that we are to cast our cares to God. We are to cast them to him. In other words, we are to pray it to him and give it to him. Daniel, that first time, casted his care. Now, some of you might say, well, if he casted his care, then why did he keep praying over it? Because if you're praying over it, that means, Pastor Kevin, you must be reeling it back in. I, wanna, I want you to have some clarity here. Scripture tells us to cast our care, I believe it's in 1 Peter, to cast our care to God because why? He cares for you. That means I, I give that, gave that analogy of taking that rock and throwing it into the ocean. And the moment you threw that rock into the ocean, it represents you can't find that rock again, but now you're trusting in God to take care of it. But oftentimes we have the mentality of the fishing rod where we'll cast it into the ocean and, and we'll leave it for a bit but then we're going to reel it in to check on it. So there could be some confusion here is, well, Daniel kept praying over this thing, so therefore he truly did not cast that care. There's a difference here. There's a difference, and I want you to, to understand this, and I want you to see this, that when Daniel prayed that prayer the first time, and we understand that Scripture says that God heard it. He continued to pray about the care, but not in the sense of a want but out of faith here. In other words, his prayer changed from God, do this to God, I know you're going to do this. I know we're going to see this happen. Even though everything around me says it's not, I still know that you're going to take care of it. Now, I believe if Daniel would have changed his prayer up and said, God, why aren't you doing this? 
then we might have had a different problem, a different situation. Meaning this in your life. I believe that God honors persistent prayer. I do. I believe that God honors. We see that right here in the scripture. For 21 days, Daniel is praying and he's fasting. He's giving it to God. He's giving it to God and he's not reeling it back in. But he's saying, God, I'm, I'm communicating my faith to you. I'm letting you know that my trust is in you, that you are going to take care of this. For 21 days, though, the spirit prince of the king of Persia tried to block what God was wanting to do for 21 days. So that leads us into our third thing is this. God's strength is made per- perfect in your weakness. Paul actually says a scripture somewhat this way. In your weakness, his strength is made perfect. Some of you right now may be going through a very, very difficult time. And you may be in one of those moments where you would think to yourself, I've prayed so much. Um, I'm depending on God to do this. I'm not, I'm just, you know what, God? I'm tired. I'm just wore out right now. I'm just physically wore out over this. Daniel, when all of this began for him, was a very young man, in his, most likely in his teenage years. He knew what life was up to his teenage years. He knew the worship of God and he knew the temple and he knew the artifacts within it which represented God and he knew the teachings and he was extremely blessed. He had a lot of wisdom about him. God had given him many talents and abilities. He knew all of this and then to see what happened with King Nebuchadnezzar coming in and and trying to destroy and, and, and for the most part wipe God off and wipe God out of their minds. Daniel had witnessed a lot, and I can't help but to think that there was many times in, in his life that those prayers were geared toward, let's restore your temple again, God. Let's, let's get your people back together. Give us our land again, God. Give it back to us. And then we saw him move forward, and, and we saw him you know, being tested in a sense of, Is he going to bow down before the king? Is he going to eat from the king's table? Is he going to do these different things? Is he going to allow corruption? Is he going to allow all of this stuff to come into him? And he stood strong through it all. He stood very strong. He stood, he's not going to move. He's not going to waver his faith in God. But then as his prayer life continues, and he wanted to see this happen in his time frame, he wanted, how many of you know, sometimes it just does not happen in our time frame. God doesn't always move for us to see it. Sometimes it takes a generation or two later for your prayer to get answered. But for Daniel in this moment, he was most likely very, possibly in his mind, he could have been torn. I think many of us would have been torn been praying for so long for God to do something and not seeing the hand of God move. He, in my mind, deserved to have that moment of, God, I'm just tired. I am physically and I am spiritually worn out 
and I just don't know where else to turn. I just don't know what else to do. Are you never going to answer my prayer? Many of us, we get, we get caught up into that trap. We get so wore out. Maybe you get so wore out on your marriage. You've been praying to God for God to do something. You're so wore out on that child. You've been praying to God to bring them to salvation. You're so wore out on the finances. You're like, God, I'm giving my tithing. I'm doing my thing. And yet I find myself deeper and deeper and deeper. I don't understand. You're finding yourself going through these different seasons. You're, you're looking for work. You're looking for a job. You're looking for a home. You're looking for a house. You're looking for something. Only you know what that something is. But you've been praying for it for a long time. What I see here with Daniel is he, instead of becoming weaker, he became stronger. He realized in this moment, he probably could sense the attitude creeping up on him. And so instead of giving in to the emotion right now, instead of giving in to what Honestly and honorably, I think he was justified if he would just have a really poor attitude. He chose differently. He said, you know what? Instead, instead of getting weak in this moment, instead of throwing up my hands and saying, I just, I don't know what else to do. It says he prayed again. He prayed more and he took it a step further. What did he do? He began to fast. He says, you know what? Now it's time to get serious. Now it's time to get serious in this moment. So we see here that God's strength is made per perfect in our weakness. Um, verse 17. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone. He says this, I can hardly breathe. Have you ever been in that moment? Where the pressure of the world is so heavy on you. That you can barely breathe. Maybe you, 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 you wake up in the morning and instead of waking up in the morning full of joy and full of excitement and expectation, you go, it's just going to be another disappointing day again. You wake up and, and, and you have no ambition to move forward. He says this, my strength is gone. I can hardly breathe. Verse 18 says, then the one who looked like a man. I love this part. 